there. Welcome to another episode of So Talk to Me. But you already know this. You tapped on your little icon and your device and you're listening. To, of course, this is So Talk to Me. What else would this be? Welcome to episode 86. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing the both of us to talk into your ears at yes. this moment. I'm Samantha Broccolo. And I'm Josh Broccolo. What up, fam? Um, not much, I guess. I don't know. It's the end of the day. <laughs> Winding down. Ready what to... What episode is this? 86. That's right. 86? Yes, 86. Okay. I just went through our episode list to see, because I, I, I was a little <laughs> paranoid. Like, 86 is a pretty big number. Um, and I wanted to see if, you know, maybe I had skipped a number <laughs> here or there. And it didn't look like it. And my quick scrolling through of all the episodes, it could be wrong. I could have missed it. But uh, it didn't look like it. So... It's pretty nice. We made it to episode made it 86. to 86 episodes. It's pretty sweet. Here we are. So it's what up cool. with you, fam? What up with me? Like the Gen Zers say. Well, when I said that, I was actually talking to our listeners, not you. But oh, you are my fam. Sorry, so fam. it works both ways. That's why. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you meant literal fam, not not non-literal fam. Gosh, I don't you're know. you're so old. Metaphorical fam? Get with the times. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, I was going to start using some other words and just no, I I, I couldn't even do but it. But my day's been, yeah. all, it's been good. Mm -hmm. I was about to say, all right. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh -oh. Oh, <laughs> no, no, just like nothing, nothing bad per se, but it's just been like pretty dreary outside and. Yeah, but it's nice and cool. Well, we didn't go outside. Oh. Because well, it was rainy. Ear loss. Um, and because Josie's kind of been under the weather, but. Yeah. Yeah. Poor little thing. I know her birthday party's on Saturday and hey. she's still like all sniffling and coughing and hopefully she's all better. Yeah. By then. She just doesn't slow down. She doesn't. There's no she rest really for that girl. I mean, <laughs> she's, well, I was about to say there's no rest for the wicked. What? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean. She is depraved. <laughs> well, yes, but. Anyways. anyways. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that girl is, even when she's sick, she's just like, go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Although I guess she's not really sick. She hasn't had a fever or anything. It's just sniffles and drainage and coughing yeah when she is really sick like with a fever you can definitely tell because <laughs> she is cuddly very cuddly <laughs> very cuddly and just tired and mm -hmm. yeah not her normal rambunctious self so but ollie's ollie's feeling good that's good mm-hmm it hasn't been passed around yet or whatever it is. I don't know if it's just like some weird form of allergies or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. It's just annoying. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Getting ready for her birthday party. Yeah. She's Saturday. about to turn two. I know. Crazy. It is crazy. She's already two almost on the ninth technically, mm -hmm. but just, yeah, it's hard to believe she's already, already two. Mm-hmm. Getting older every day. Gone by so fast. That girl. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she. I feel like she has grown up 
pretty fast. Um, just cause like, just cause of her personality, it's different than Ollie's and, and how like competitive she is, even if she doesn't know it, um, how she wants to do Ollie does is what it is. And so like, she's just kind of, yeah, everything that she does, everything that he does. Yeah. She wants to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Super smart. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. That's her daughter, guys. (laughs) Old Josephine Broccolo. Little little firecracker. Mm Mm-hmm. That's for sure. (laughs) Stubborn and opinionated and... (laughs) She knows what she wants Mm -hmm. and she goes right for it. Doesn't ask for permission or anything (laughs) and just goes right for it. Yeah. Yeah. Does Whereas it. Ollie's the exact opposite. He uh, he won't even go to the bathroom without asking for permission. <gasps> Think so? Yes. Hmm. Because all day long I hear, I need to go potty. I need to go potty. Mommy, can I go potty? Why are you asking me if you can go to the restroom? Just go. You know how to use the bathroom. I don't understand why you have to ask me every single time you want to go pee. But for some reason, he has to ask permission, even though I've never told him that he has to ask permission to go <laughs> no, potty. you cannot go pee right now. <laughs> Hold it. Hold it. Oh. So he just like runs around screaming, I have to go potty. I have to go potty. Yeah. And go potty. <laughs> what also doesn't help right that he waits there. till like the last <laughs> minute. And so he's freaking out because he feels yeah. like he's going to pee on himself. Yeah, exactly. And can't think straight probably. <laughs> And that's our boy. (laughs) No, but he's so compassionate and Mm -hmm. sensitive and he's my cuddle bug. (laughs) Yeah. His love language is very much physical touch and words of affirmation. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty, I I would say like children in general, like that's how they communicate a lot of the time the, the, like most children seek the attention verbally and physically of other people especially their parents so i'd say in a, in a certain sense that's pretty common i mean like josie is not nearly as cuddly as oliver is but she likes to be held and i mean any child likes it when you praise them mm-hmm so I guess words of affirmation, I feel like, is pretty universal in terms of children seeking that out and really um, responding right. to it as but well. But some seek it out more than others. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But anyways, I didn't mean to contradict you. It just seems like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what the other one... Um, like that Something. just seems like when he sh- when he is intentionally showing love, he does it through touch and words. That's true. That's true. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how about you? How was your day? It was good. It was a good day. Just getting ready for Sunday. Getting. I mean, I say it every week because that's just what Thursday. Like Thursdays are hyper focused because it's the last day before Sunday. Generally, I'm not in on Friday or Saturday. Um, so and and because their rehearsal day is like a lot of the day is focused on making sure everything's ready for rehearsal and rehearsal is making sure that everything's ready for Sunday. So that's what most of my Thursdays are. I went and got coffee with my boss. 
trying really hard not to say that it was a busy day, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it actually wasn't particularly busy today. Um, I mean, outside of this morning before I went to work, like trying to get the yard mowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but at work, it wasn't it wasn't particularly busy. It was just like, hey, these are the things that I have to get done, and I'll get them done. So it was good. That's just often your adjective to explain your yeah your day or your week. Yeah, not today though. It's actually been pretty good. It's funny because like, uh, so this is the second to last week of the current class that I'm taking, um, which is pretty awesome because then I have this summer off ish. Um, I say ish like summers. It's only a couple months, right? And anyways, in June, in, July. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think classes start back up in August. Okay. That sounds about right. I don't know. I haven't registered for classes yet. <laughs> so I need to do that. Um, but yeah, so looking forward to, to taking off for a little bit. But it, it's funny because like I have two papers due this week, but it really, I don't know. I've kind of gotten into the groove of just like writing, like researching and writing papers that um, it doesn't seem overwhelming if that makes that's sense. Good. And the, I mean, the papers aren't very long. One, one is just a one page paper. And that's why I'm like, oh, psh, like that's, it's not going to take me very long, an hour or two and I'll be done. Um, <clears throat> like from start to finish, like research and outline and then writing should be, should be easy. Um, but the one that I'm working on that we'll talk about more as we get to our main topic. Um, <laughs> it's like two to three pages is what he said. Um, so they're not long papers right but it's just funny because like i don't know at the start of the semester or whatever two papers in a week would have seemed like a huge workload we're just like eh, if i plan ahead if i do the research if i let my brain kind of simmer on these concepts for a little while and then write it out it's not very difficult i think also part of it again as we'll see as this episode goes on is that especially the papers that are just focused on sections of scripture are like papers where I can pull out different scriptures and just talk about those scriptures are a lot easier for me to write than some that are more like out of the blue, if that makes any sense at all. It's kind of like explaining scripture. I'm comes easily to me, if that makes sense, if I can understand it as opposed to um, explaining theological concepts on their own. Does that make sense? Like if you tell me to explain a particular verse or something like that, I can easily like read the surrounding verses and other verses that are that are similar to that and talk about that for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just I don't know. It's easier when you're just writing about scripture, so I don't know. All that to say is that it's it's the workload has been pretty nice. It, th- that's how I got here is that you were saying busy that I usually talk about busyness. Well, today wasn't a particularly busy day and I don't feel overly busy from school just based on what I have to do, what I have to finish up for the rest of this week. So well, then good. it's nice. Yeah. Not particularly overwhelmed by busyness. We'll see how tomorrow goes though. Cause like we have to get ready for Josie's party. Yeesh. So there's a lot to do around the house mm-hmm. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So. Well, all right. Mm-hmm. 
seen any new movies that I don't know about, (laughs) watch anything, listen to anything. Nope. No. Okay. I'm trying to think what we did over the weekend. We went out to the winery. We did. That was fun. That was fun. It's pretty chill. I did a little live video on our on our Facebook page. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was fun. Sort of. I didn't know it was happening, but True. True it story. happened. We're playing with the bocce balls. That was hilarious. So the winery that we go to, um, they have they have just like some bocce balls out, so you can play bocce. And uh, I showed the kids how to do it, and that's what the live video is from. Well. As soon as like other people came, like we walked away from where the bocce balls were. As soon as other people came and started playing with them, Ollie was like, those are mine. Like, (laughs) I want to go play with them. Not necessarily like towards those people, but kind of just as a general statement. And I'm like, no, 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 those are not yours. And he's like, no, but they're mine. I want to play with them. I'm like, dude, we're over here. It's okay. (laughs) So he just became very territorial over the bocce balls. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to the winery on Friday, and then Saturday we went to the wiener dog races. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Man, we had a weekend, didn't we? Yes, we did. I don't we even had remember. A busy weekend. Jeez, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in Buda, which is just like right outside of Austin, mm-hmm. like south of Austin, um, every year they have wiener dog races so dachshunds um and it's like a festival basically there's a bunch of like different businesses there with tents set up and you know selling merchandise and there's booths the games for kids and bounce houses whatever like Mm -hmm. it's a big thing um and it's been going on for like 20 something years yeah forever (laughs) As long as I lived in Austin, which is practically my whole life, I've me, never gone. Yeah. So Yeah, me neither, which is kind of funny. Until this past weekend, so. Yeah, and th- the funny thing is that we didn't actually watch any of the races. <laughs> yeah, we were... well, I mean, we had a big stroller with us. So it would have been hard to get up into the bleachers and actually yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah, I races. mean, not that you had to be on the bleachers, though, but. Um, Definitely got to see a lot of wiener dogs, though. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. Um, Sam almost got suckered into uh, adopting one. That's so cute. <laughs> and our dog that passed away a few months ago was a miniature dachshund. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a special place in my heart for dachshunds. <laughs> and apparently there's a wiener dog rescue, which is kind of crazy. I didn't think that would be a thing just because it seems like that breed is very um, sought after, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Very popular. So I'm surprised that there would be a rescue. Like, it seems like they could sell the dogs for a lot more money. I know that sounds kind of weird to say, but um, so the fact that they do. Central Texas Dachshund Rescue. Yeah. So. Anyways, we did not leave. We did not leave with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the kids had a lot of fun in the bounce houses, for sure. Oh my goodness! Yes, they did. Josie, man, she was like obviously the youngest person 
in them, but she just like held her own. <laughs> she was all in. Yeah. There was one point where she got pushed by an older child. I say older, probably like like six years old, you know. On like, purpose? Like way old. Yeah, I mean, they were jumping around and just she got pushed. I don't, I don't know because I came after the fact and someone told me that she just got pushed. Oh, okay. And so she was crying because of that, but she very quickly like recovered and continued playing because the bounce houses had um, slides on them. So they'd climb up the slides and have fun. And so like she cried for just a few seconds and then yeah. like went back up the slide. Well, that's so just how she is in general. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, it didn't really phase her. So yeah, that was funny. I don't know. <laughs> Kids did well. They definitely had fun. Yeah. And crashed on the way home. Yeah, because the sun was beating down on us yeah, the whole it time. Was, it was hot. Didn't even realize it, but got sunburned. So that's fun. <laughs> I have a sick farmer's tan. Because <laughs> I am half Mexican, but I look pretty white. So <laughs> I can tan, but the parts of me that tan, yeah, I just get, I just get farmer's tan. It's pretty nasty. You tan, but you like... You burn and then you tan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You burn and it turns into a tan. You don't, I don't think I've ever seen you peel. Oh, yeah. You oh, have? I've peeled okay. before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It happens. Like on my nose. It it's nasty. It's but nasty. It's funny because I rarely, I rarely peel. Hmm. Most of mine turn into a tan. That's probably the Native American blood in me. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm sure that all of you out there want to hear about our peeling skin. <laughs> um, and that is actually the main topic that we were going to talk about is... Segway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sores and skin conditions and, and peeling. And leprosy and... Sun cancer. The poor and... Skin cancer. <laughs> I'm trying to segue into our Vitamin main topic. D. And you're not helping deficiency neediness beggarly <laughs> no i'm just kidding um so when we were discussing what we wanted to talk about for this episode um surprise surprise nothing really came to mind <laughs> so we can always fall back on something simple like hey what have i been learning in school lately um, so we just wanted to discuss it because um, it's kind of interesting. At the same time, it's kind of nerdy. So sorry, not sorry. I don't know. Um, but this week. I like nerdy. Awesome. I married you. That's true. You did. Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> uh, anyways. Kelly Ripper. <laughs> All right. Um where was I? Oh, so what I've been learning in school this week. So this week, um, I'm taking a class. It's the New Testament in theology. And um, what we have been reading about in class this week, um, it has to do with Luke and the books that he wrote. So the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And um, we took a look at the concept of the poor. So Luke uses this... Um, this concept throughout both of his books. 
Um, and what's interesting is, you know, that, well, let me set it up this way. Words can change meaning over time, right? Mm-hmm. So um, th- they gain meaning and lose meaning. Um, what is it? Uh, sorry, it, what came to mind was The Office and how Michael Scott talks about how words change meaning and how gay used to mean stupid when he was younger. Um, anyways. Um, so yeah, the words and terms can <laughs> wow <laughs> change meaning over time. Um, but also scripture was written in another language. It wasn't written in English, right? So, so these words could have connotations to them that they, that don't necessarily correspond to the words that we use in English, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, sometimes you need to do kind of just further study into what these certain words mean. Um, yeah. Greek is very different than our English language. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, and it could just have other connotations. It could have other um, relationships to other concepts as well um, that that are harder to translate with a with a single word. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were taking a look at the way that Luke uses this word in particular. So you can do a word study and take a look at. You know, every time the poor, the concept of the poor, that word or that term comes up throughout scripture, and you could do a lot more study on that, but that is not what what we've been focusing on this week in my class. Um, It is simply about what the way that Luke uses the poor. Mm. Um, Now, one of the cool things is that the first place that he uses it in chapter four, um, it is actually a quotation from Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So it's where Jesus here, I'll go ahead and pull it up here. It's um, Luke four, particularly it's verse 18, but I'll give a little bit of context here. So I'll read 16 through 19. It says uh, that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as he was, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll He's talking about Jesus. Yes. Yes. He's talking about Jesus. The scroll, the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I noticed in reading these passages that when he does mention the poor, it's almost always in a list Mm-hmm. Of other things. Yeah. Not like just focusing on that word itself. Yeah. Or that just that, yeah, that particular group. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it helps to kind of give uh, a fuller definition of what that word means. And, and yeah, it's grouped together with other similar concepts. So, um, you know, like, like we said, the words can change over time. So, so when we think of, you know, when I just say the poor, or when we think of someone who is poor, generally what comes to mind, at least in my mind, is someone who does not have very much money or very many material possessions. It's right? funny, the way you just used that word two different times brought together, brought to mind two different meanings. Okay, like so, how so? Well, when you said someone who is poor, mm-hmm. to me that means as in like financially. Mm-hmm. Poor, 
Um, but when you say the poor, I think of like the poor at heart. Okay. The poor in heart. What do you mean by that? Like the downcast. Okay. Downcast like uh, distressed, like depressed. What, what do you mean downcast? Yeah, I guess more along the lines of depressed. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> the poor. Um, yeah. So So we kind of think of it in these these certain kind of terms like just what comes to our mind so taking a look at just the way that luke uses the term this is the first time he uses it and it's a quotation from isaiah so Mm -hmm. even though i said like in my class we are focused on the way that luke uses it um he's actually tying it to the old testament so Mm -hmm. there are like even the first time that he uses this concept, he introduces this concept, he does so by um, bringing along what his readers would have understood from the Old Testament days, mm-hmm. right? So, so well, when I, he's quoting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, this passage is just awesome. There's a lot to talk about in this passage by itself, um, but we... We're not going to dig too deep just for the sake of our, you know, what we're talking about here today. Um, but this is the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, which is really cool. Um, so even Jesus at the start of his, you know, pu- again, public ministry, but his mission here on earth was he's saying that he is here to proclaim the good news to the poor. Um, so that's interesting, especially when you think of poor, if you're thinking poor in terms of worldly possession, like proclaiming good news to those who don't have much money doesn't make that much sense. Um, now, well, oh, sorry. No, what were you going to say? Well, uh, just thinking of like the, in the context of the time that they were in, there wasn't really much of a, like we have today with like, you have a a lot of different um, financial means, I guess, mm-hmm. or groups today. Uh, like you do have the really poor and then you have, um, I guess, the, um, the Americanized version of poor. And then you have like, middle class and you have wealthy and you have like rich and you have millionaires and you have billionaires. Like there's Mm. a lot of different groups. Um, Whereas back then there weren't as many groups like that. It was like, it was like you had nothing or you were well taken care of. Mm. Um, So I think like the poor was a lot more general mm-hmm. back then. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It covered a lot more, a more general amount of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. And, and like you had mentioned earlier, he does kind of uh, compare and contrast or not even, not even necessarily contrast, but he kind of defines what he means by poor by, 
by continuing, um, where Isaiah says that he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, Mm -hmm. and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So um, some of the synonyms that he's using here, along with poor, are those who are captive, those who are blind, those who are oppressed. So we get this sense of basically the poor being among this group of people who are in need of something, right. who who are deficient in certain areas, um, people who are helpless. Uh, when you think of a captive, like it's someone who cannot get themselves out of the situation that they're in. Right. Um, a blind person can't. Uh, give himself sight again, can't Mm -hmm. will (laughs) his sight back. Um, Those who are oppressed generally are unable to, by themselves, uh, stand against their oppressors. Like Mm -hmm. there needs to be a united front against that. And then kind of wrapping it up to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, I mean, it kind of goes without saying because this is scripture, but again, you realize like, how, the way that Jesus is using this as well is that this is something. So, so he describes these people who are poor and who are helpless and in need of something, and then he says that God is the one who will give it to them. Mm-hmm. That the, the you know proclaiming this good news that he is proclaiming to the poor is the year of the Lord's favor. Like God has looked upon you favorably, even though you are currently of this group of this you know of the poor um even though you're captive um you will have liberty even though you're blind you will have sight because of what god is doing um not because you know someone is he's going to send someone to help you necessarily but like god himself is going to be the one who will get you out of your current um the trouble that you're in the need that you have for something God is going to fulfill. So even Isaiah is looking forward to God's salvation, um, which is really cool because then, of course, the context that Jesus is using this, the beginning of his public ministry, he's like saying from the outset, like, I am the one. Yeah, he's, he's reading about himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, he does. He he says that exact thing a few verses down, mm-hmm. uh, verse twenty one. He began to say to them, "Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." Um, so clearly, like, I mean, that that's that's what Jesus is doing here is saying that, like, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah himself is speaking about me. The year of the Lord's favor is Jesus himself. He is going to be the one to set the captives free. He is going to be the one. He is the good news that goes forth for on behalf of the poor right that will meet the needs of the poor um so that's that's a really cool passage um but that's just the first time that luke <laughs> uses the word poor and so we get again we get this idea of like someone who is in need of something um and actually before we go ahead and jump to the next passage i do just want to bring up um so I, like I said, in, in my class did kind of like a little word study of what this word meant um, to Luke in particular. So we're, we're taking specifically taking a look at Luke, but I did um, take a look in, in a Bible dictionary as to the, the meaning of the term poor. And um, some of the stuff that I said, you know, the, first of all, it said uh, someone who was destitute, someone who was a beggar, 
right? So that's kind of the common um, way that I, the first thing that comes to mind for me, right? Mm -hmm. Someone, again, who doesn't have very much money. Um, But some other adjectives used, um, someone who is lowly, who is afflicted, who is helpless, powerless, needy, and lacking in anything. Um, So that's where I think the concept kind of opens up is that, Again, my brain goes to someone who is lacking in material possessions, mm-hmm. lacking in financial means, lacking in um, something, some sort of um, s- social safety net, right? But the way that this, the, that the Greek term uses it, yes, it gives the image of a, of a beggar. Um, but it does so in such a way that it is someone who is lacking in anything, not necessarily material things, but in need of something that they are unable to obtain in some way. Right. Which makes sense because when you think about it, like the way that we tend to use the word poor, we do use it a lot in those senses, sense, in, the, in that sense of like describing something like, like if a child is sick, you're like, oh, poor thing. You yeah. Know? Or mm-hmm. if someone's going through a hard time, like, you know, poor Sarah or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. it's so sad that she's having to go through that. You know, like we use it in that sense yep. as well. Yes, exactly. And I think I think that is more, that's closer to the way that it's being used um, throughout the book of Luke as well. Um, and, it, and it does have... We'll see. We'll see as we as we continue, kind of the um, the call that it gives to Christians as well. Um, But yeah, that's the. uh, It really kind of opened up for me when I started looking into it. Is like, oh yeah, it's this concept of someone who is in need of something, someone who is lacking something, not just necessarily material possessions. Um, So the next place that it's used or the next place that i want to take a look at is the beatitudes in luke 6 um and like you said this is another area where um jesus is talking where he does uh say kind of the same thing in different terms multiple times like he groups together this idea of poor Mm -hmm. with other things so this helps to uh helps to define the term for sure um so verses 20 through i guess 22 um And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Um, I did go ahead and just read 23 as well. Um, but here, uh, kind of similar to before, we see poor as being grouped along with those who are hungry, those who are weeping, um, someone whom people hate and exclude and revile and spurn, specifically in this case on account of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's really helpful that Jesus parallels, um, these, each of these statements, uh, because I mean, I, growing up in church, I've heard this a lot. Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Um, but by itself, that 
is a very confusing statement mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> right. It's right. Like, oh, do I have to be poor in order to be blessed? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think uh, like th- thinking in terms of money. Right. Know? Right. Like I can't be a rich person. Um, and and or I can't be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't have any form of wealth. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's really hard for anyone in north america right now (laughs) you know because we are so wealthy compared to most of the world right right no matter what's i mean you know unless you're living on the street um if you own a car (laughs) you're better off than most of the world well even Um, some people living on the street have cell phones yeah that's true that's true (laughs) there's yeah you have access to to some form of help to you that a lot of other people don't have. Um, and I think this is a good, this is a good kind of tangent that we can go on um, that we'll probably return to as we continue talking about this. Uh, but this idea that those who don't have money or material possessions are somehow more holy than those who do, right? I think there's kind of this, this subtle idea. And now I, I understand where it comes from, um, because I mean, Jesus did also say that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for, for a rich, rich person yeah. to, to enter heaven. Right. So, um, Jesus definitely had things to say. He told the rich young ruler to go and sell everything he had and give it to the poor. And then he could follow him. Um, so because th- he knew that his possessions were his idol. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, because he said he followed the, all of the commandments from Mm -hmm. a young age. So clearly, (laughs) um, he didn't know himself that well. (laughs) Um, right. So there are other things going on in these other stories. I, I think if, yeah, if we took a look at each one of those stories, we could see kind of what Jesus was getting at when he, when he said these very provocative things about people with money. And, uh, I think people who have in even this feels weird to say, but like uh, inordinate amounts of money in comparison to other people, um, people who wield power, um, their temptation is to uh, is to use those things for themselves. So I understand why you why someone would be averse to the rich or the powerful or those who are kind of like the opposite of the poor and why um even though that those those lifestyles i would say have pitfalls to that like they have inherent temptation mm-hmm. to them it is not any more wealth and poverty are um they're neutral morally neutral yeah. yes exactly they can bring out different things in your heart um, because we're sinners and because the, I mean, the love of money is the root, right? The love of money is, is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, so if, if you're focused yeah, not on- Not just money, the love of money. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it's not the outward thing that is sinful. It is the heart's attitude toward that right. thing. Um, so I, I, all that to say is that I think that we have this idea and I see, 
I don't mean I don't want to get political, but it's gonna get political a little bit, okay? <laughs> Just because a lot of the political conversation um, we see nowadays inherently talks about people who are rich um, that they are automatically oppressing people who are not, mm-hmm. right? That that somehow their wealth was gained by by stepping on the neck of the poor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even even whenever, if you bring up the 1%, that is a derogatory term, even though that term in itself is neutral. It's completely, it's, it just means you are, you are writ, you are more wealthy than 99% of the population, mm-hmm. right? That shouldn't have any kind of moral standing. But whenever anyone talks about the 1%, they say it derogatorily. Derogatorily. Okay, there you go. Um, and so what I'm trying to get at is that nowadays I just feel like it it puts a bad taste in our mouth if we talk about rich people, right? Even as Christians, we can we can tend to think of people who are rich like, oh, well, they're probably not doing enough. You know, they're... Again, I don't mean to get political, but I'm sorry. They're not paying their fair share, right? They're not taking care of the little guy. They're only concerned about themselves and making more money, right? And and you just get this idea of rich being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, those who are poor, oh, well, they're the salt of the earth, right? They're the, they're, you know, the the people who have been through it and and you know, continue to persevere. And they are subtly subtly you begin to think they are the ones who have the you know the the pure heart the heart of gold um that can continue on even despite their hardship we need both yes and because you can't you really can't have one without the other (laughs) right (laughs) right (laughs) oh a wealthy person can't really be wealthy like, in other words, someone who has their own business can't really grow that business without other people helping them and can't become that rich, wealthy person without other people working under them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And those poor people can't have a job unless there are richer people with companies who will provide jobs for them. So, like, they go hand in hand. You have to have both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one's not bad and one's not good. They're neutral. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It has to do with your attitude in what God has given you. Right. Now, certainly, um, we see even throughout Scripture, I, I would say even especially throughout Scripture, that uh, I would say especially in the Old Testament, because what was promised to Israel was a promised land. So God spoke a lot about um, physical possessions and um, being wise in the way that you carry yourself throughout life, that physical and material possessions are a blessing from God because God's promised land was a land of milk and honey and abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, you get these images of the good life, you know, a life that follows God that lives in wisdom 
um, before God will be blessed materially. But I think that is the image that the Old Testament used because God was putting before them the land of Canaan as their promised land. Now we see that that is a spiritual um, blessing. It will be physical. I mean, the new heaven and the new earth will be a physical place, right. but more so than a physical place, it's it's our relationship with God and our our relation that we will actually be in perfect relationship, relationship with yeah. God because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Um, we look forward to something that is not um, purely physical. God can still bless his people with with material blessings, and as we'll see, I mean, I mean, I think that he blesses us with material blessings so that we can give so that we can fulfill the needs of other people well right um yeah they're they're given not not just to give them but to steward them correctly exactly yes and give them to glorify god with it exactly exactly so um i mean that's that's just something that that has really been hitting me as well this past week as as i took a look at it is just that we need to stop assuming the morality of someone based on their social and financial status. Right. Okay. There are good people that I'm going to use this in quotation marks. Okay. There are morally upright people and there are morally wicked people um, who are poor. Mm -hmm. There are morally upright people and morally wicked people who are rich. Yep. Okay. We all run the gamut of that because we are broken people, because we are sinful people. Um, so we, yeah, we just shouldn't allow, we shouldn't automatically assume based on someone's wealth, based on the type of car that they drive, based on the house that they live in. Um, you can't make those assumptions. They have very particular um, forms of temptation, right? Mm-hmm. Their life is going to look different from yours. If Depending on how much money you have in the bank, your life looks very different, right? Right. Um, you are called to steward what God gives you. Right. And so therefore, your, your gifts are different than someone else's. Um, so anyways, back to where we're at in the Beatitudes. Jesus is talking about, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Um, and then again, the parallels really help here. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, they exclude you, revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So Jesus explains what he means by the poor Mm -hmm. here. He's talking about the people who are, again, in this idea of being in need, this idea of lacking, so whether you're hungry, whether you are weeping, you know, whether people, whether your social status, your reputation is tarnished um, because of your love for God, because you value what is coming, because you value eternity, because you value the kingdom of God over your financial prosperity right now, and you're being reviled. Um, I mean, I think this is really applicable nowadays uh, when we talk about how we base our life on the scripture. It's, I mean, you'll get laughed at, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know the scripture? You know, the scripture is a man-made book. It's a bunch of garbage, whatever. Uh, you'll, you will be revived. I mean, this is, this is eminently 
practical um, even today. Uh, so the poor that Jesus is talking about here are the poor, those who are in need now because of because their treasure is placed in eternity, mm-hmm. is placed in God. Um, so I, I do think that that helps a lot because just the simple uh, recitation of blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus is not saying that if you don't have a lot of money, well, you're going to get it. You're going to go to heaven. Like mm-hmm. you are a better person because you don't have money. It's not what he's saying right. at all. Um, yeah. If that were the case, then that would be a works-based salvation. And that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll I'll just, just kind of, um, run through this really quickly even the even the story of the the rich young ruler where he tells the man to sell all he has and give it to the poor and then he'll fall and then then he can follow Jesus like like you said he was pointing out that person's idol mm-hmm. Jesus is not telling everyone that you need to go sell everything you have and right. give it to the poor he's not telling people to become poor here in this world now certainly it is not a bad thing to sell what you have and give to the poor um that can be a very good thing i think what jesus is one of the kind of takeaways that we can we can get from that is that we ought to be willing to sell what we have and we'll we'll see that actually you know what we'll come back to that put a pin in that because we'll come back to well, it yeah just a for the bit. sake of the gospel we should be willing right yeah, yeah, exactly. Doesn't uh, mean that's what we're all called to do. Exactly. But if God calls us to do that, we should be willing to do it. Boom. Okay, you sorry, was that what you were going <laughs> to No, no, yeah, the, no, I, I think you just said what I was trying to say oh, okay. better than I could have said it. So that's awesome. Um, okay, so jumping ahead to Luke 7, okay? Uh, man, this is another another great passage. So So this is talking about, so this is John, okay? John the Baptist um, is asking, he sends some people to ask Jesus if Jesus truly is the Messiah. Okay. Um, So let's see. I'm going to just go ahead and read uh, verse 22. And he answered them, this is Jesus speaking, of course, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, so this clearly, um, it, it parallels a lot of that Isaiah passage that we had read, that good news is preached to the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, again, it's, it's within this list of, of people who are needy, people who are lack, people who need help in their situation, lepers dead people (laughs) blind people well and and, i mean we've been saying that like he's not just like he's not exclusively talking about people who are poor financially right but it does include them yes because like specifically in this verse the poor have the gospel preached to them Mm -hmm. that's that's a big statement because the poor were not educated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and saying that they will have the gospel preached to them is basically saying that like we are going to include them. Mm-hmm. We are going to bring them in and we are going to educate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the good news, I mean, the word gospel has connotations of military victory. And so even even talking about the good news, it it has these connotations of the kingdom is coming, like you are a part of this new kingdom that is here. Um, especially, you know, when, when Jesus talks about the good news, um, that that you will be under the rule and reign of a greater um of a greater, I guess, monarch, if that makes sense. So saying that the poor have this good news preached to them, like your the authority that is over you is better than what you have experienced up to this point. Does that make sense? Like like where you were in need, those over you will look down upon you and meet your needs. Does that make sense? It has this kind of this connotation that, um, especially with this passage that goes from dead being raised up, that goes from lepers being cleansed, that goes from you know blind people to people who can see. That now you have this good news that is brought to you as someone who is poor and in need, and someone who is who is lacking, someone who is helpless, like. God is going to fight on your behalf. Um, so, so I love that. I love that this is how Jesus confirms to John that he is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like the one whom the Old Testament scriptures pointed towards. The one who would save Israel from their uh, exile that they were under and bring them into their promised land. Like Jesus doesn't, it's so perfect. I mean, clear, obviously because it's Jesus talking, but he doesn't just say, yeah, that's me. Like, no, he, he actually, this is the way that he reveals to John that he is the Messiah, that look at what I have done. I have, I have met the needs of our people, right? I have, have gone to those who were I have done afflicted. what you have been proclaiming I was going to yeah, do. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. So so I I love it. I because it's also how Jesus like defines his ministry is going to the people who are in need and meeting their needs and fighting mm-hmm. for and them on their behalf. Meeting their needs perfectly. Right. Right. Yeah. So, that's great. Not just like making them feel better for a day or making their leg grow an inch or something like that. <laughs> oh, like ouch. Heal, perfectly healing them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Right um, away. <laughs> uh, and and I think that, that too just speaks to how it's not, again, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, so sorry, but how the poor is not just a financial term. Right. Like, it's not just, hey, I'm giving, you know, some some poor people some money so they can go buy a loaf of bread. Like, no, it's so much more than that. It's the people who, who are in need, who can't help themselves. I am going to provide for them what they truly need. Yeah, that's great. Um, so a couple other places in Luke, just, just kind of flyby places, 
are are in chapters 14 and 16 Jesus uses the concept of poverty and poor people and particularly beggars in his parables okay so this is where um this would fall into the category of particularly those in a low social class who don't have physical possessions, mm-hmm. right? So the story of, I mean, one of the most popular ones is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Like Lazarus is fighting dogs to get table scraps. Like he is clearly destitute, mm-hmm. right? Um, the only thing that I want to say about these stories in particular, because we don't necessarily have the time to go into each one individually, is that these are parables and so Jesus is using these images to have an impact upon his hearers. Like he's using the picture of the beggar who is Lazarus, not to say that beggars are, again, the salt of the earth or beggars are the, the good people and the rich people who oppress them. They're the ones that need to come down. No, he's not saying that. He is saying that his people are like beggars. They are the poor. They are those in need of someone to help them, someone to feed them, someone to give them uh, scraps. And in addition to that, God is the one who will meet those needs because they will be with him eternally forever. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, just realistically, when you, if you talk to a true Christian, like they are going to communicate their need for God. Yes. Yes. And that I, I think that is that is the beauty of of this term is that um, as, I, as I've been like studying it this week is that this is the normal state of the Christian. So when God says that blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom, like he's talking about blessed are those who recognize their need, mm-hmm. who recognize their lack, who recognize that they are helpless and afflicted. Yes. And cannot earn what they need. Mm-hmm. Right? That this is the like the Christian is poor, not financially. The <laughs> not Christian, all of them. <laughs> well, right, right. Uh, and, and not certainly not flipped that way. Right. Not every poor person is a Christian, is, right. is better morally. Um, but we are in need and we are lack and we reckon we have to recognize our need i mean i think that is the gospel and that's why the good news is preached to the poor right well that's why the good news is good right because we recognize how in need we are of salvation Mm -hmm. that we cannot provide for ourselves um and because we identify with these poor people these people who are afflicted, who are lacking. I keep using the same words over again, sorry. Um, Who are destitute. Uh, Because we recognize that, then we can recognize what the good news is, like you just said. Because Um, we are destitute. mm -hmm. We are practically sitting in the lake of fire until God reaches down and yanks us out and changes our heart. And that's what makes something like these parables that Jesus says, like the rich man and Lazarus, that's what the thrust of of this idea of a beggar, that's what gives it its beauty is that, oh, I recognize that's me. Yeah. Like that's that's why I am not the rich man in this story. Um, now, certainly Jesus was saying 
something else with the story about um you know treasure finding your treasures here on earth as well um so insofar as we have idols here on earth yes we can also uh identify with the rich man but the point that the that Lazarus the beggar can make it into heaven is because um we can recognize how poor we are and how we need scraps from the table um mm-hmm. because we need what and how we only need to God be raised from the dead <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so uh th- unless you had anything else to say about that we can jump forward to acts so luke uh, just quick um little nugget is that luke obviously wrote both the gospel of luke and the acts um and acts the acts of the apostles is what i was going to say and then i stopped myself so uh (laughs) luke and acts were both written by luke they were basically part one and part two so both books were written after the fact you know so so these things had already occurred you can see in the gospel of luke that um Luke already knew what was going to happen to Jesus, and so it, it did lead up to what he was doing. So that was part one, was you know the Jesus part <laughs> while Jesus was on earth, and then part two is the impact that Jesus made here on earth and what that and and the, basically the birth of the church. So um, what I want to take a look at, though he doesn't specifically use the word poor, um, Luke does talk about poverty and those in need in Acts. Um, and it is in the section of Acts 4, verses 32 through 37, basically where he's talking about the early church and how they banded together and um, provided for one another. Now, again, don't want to get too political here, but sometimes you can see this passage used as a justification for something like... um, socialism something close to a commune um the way that the early church provided for each other so let's take a look at this because i do not believe that's what it's saying at all um since we don't live in a utopia and that's completely unrealistic well right but even in this context i don't think that's what's happening oh yeah because we don't live in a utopia and that would be completely unrealistic <laughs> and they didn't either um okay that would completely defeat the purpose of the church in general if they became a commune <laughs> because the call was to go out <laughs> right it, okay okay and proclaim yeah. the gospel yeah that's true Um, so starting in verse 34, it says that there was not a needy person among them. So again, they don't use the word poor, but this word parallels it needy. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. Okay. So, uh, actually, um, I am going to jump back a little bit i forgot to read this part verse 32 is where okay that's where i thought you were starting i was confused okay well verse 32 um is where it sounds more like uh socialism okay so now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own but they had everything in common okay that's where it sounds again like socialism because it sounds like oh well so they were unified in the gospel there was no personal property because no one said anything belonged to him okay 
I'm thinking particularly in in the case of neediness and and poor. Yes, they were like yes, they were unified in the gospel, um, but that caused and that caused them to share what they had. But then it defines what it means by sharing what they what it means by um, not considering that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Okay, and that's where it talks about it in verse thirty four that there's not a needy person among them. For anyone who is an owner of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Okay? So. As any had need. Right. And. Not equally. And, right. It's only those in need who were given what they needed. Right. Um, it does. It also says those who owned land or houses. So clearly, there were people of different social and financial statuses within this group. Right. There were poor and needy. There were rich. Mm-hmm. Um, we see later with Ananias and Sapphira, the the fact that they were killed, like their sin was not that they didn't sell everything they had and give all the mm-hmm. money to to the church. It was that they lied about what they gave. Right. Because it specifically says that if they would have just said that they were only giving a portion, it would be fine because it was theirs. It was actually their what they owned. So, sorry, I don't mean to, to rail on this too hard. Well, but like they were doing this out of the goodness of their changed hearts. Mm-hmm. They weren't... Um, being made to do it yes by the government right right they yeah. didn't have a gun to their head mm-hmm. making them do it because that's not of goodwill <laughs> it's no longer <laughs> charity if it's right. a requirement exactly yeah yeah uh, and that's not going to produce a a charitable people if you require their their services um to be given to someone else right so um but I think I think you're also making a really good point as to where I wanted to go next was that these people had changed hearts. They were they were the early church. They gave because they saw their brothers and sisters in need. And this is kind of um, I, I think this is what the church is supposed to do. Exactly. I think this is the most practical portion. So now that we've seen throughout Luke what Jesus was talking about and how he was going to meet the needs of the poor, um, of his followers, of those who recognize their need. Now, when we as Christians, as Christ's ambassadors in the world, see those who are in need, we ought to attempt to meet those needs. Yep. This is, again, the concept of poor is not simply financial. Right. Yes, there is a portion in which um, we ought to attempt to meet people's physical needs. We ought to attempt to do good in the world. But people need more than just financial security. Right. People, most of all, they need eternal security. They need the gospel shared with them. And so both of these things go hand in hand um, because it talks about people who are in need here. Um, and that's well, how we yeah. as Christians ought to see others as, as those who are needy. We ought to meet those needs both with the gospel and however we can um, 
uh, with with any needs that they may have. I'm trying real hard not to go off on a rant on how the government pigeonholes the church by having so many uh, <laughs> programs stealing money from us to give to the poor. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Um, well, they have a lot of contradictory programs as well. So, yes. and, and they need lots of money in order to keep up with all these different contradictory values. Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean, we can, we can use this stuff to rail against our government, but that's not where I want to go with this. What right. I, where I want to kind of end, um, with all of this Luke talking about the poverty and need and the poor throughout his writings brings it from what Jesus did to what the church now does because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has fulfilled our ultimate need by giving his entire life um, and giving us his righteousness that we could never have attained, now we as his people go out into the world sharing that good news, proclaiming the good news to the poor and meeting the needs that they may have. Now, I do think that that does mean actually determining what their needs truly are, not just their wants, mm -hmm. okay? So I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on that. <laughs> but I just want to say, I, I just hope this is an, an encouragement to be more like Jesus because Jesus met the needs of the people around him. Mm -hmm. um, and that our charity in that in our meeting of needs of other people, our generosity, our generous spirit that we ought to have because of Jesus ought to go hand in hand with sharing the good news of the gospel, right. with sharing Jesus. And I hope, I hope that this encourages you to speak of a need that you have. If you are that person who is in need, mm -hmm. Like, speak up. Yeah. Tell the church that you are in need. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, allow them to... Bless you. Yeah. Because, to serve you. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. I, I just think, I don't know, God has blessed us so highly that like, I always think, yeah, we ought to be the ones giving, but that's that's a really good point. We can't make it by ourselves and we need... Um, those who have been gifted. Yeah, that's good. I like it. All right. Any other thoughts on the poor and needy and the sick and sore? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that song has popped into my head a lot this week <laughs> as I've been looking into this. So, poor and needy. Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, if you have any poor thoughts, you can share them with us. <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, our handle is at so underscore talk to me. Our email address is so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. We have our Facebook page, so talk to me podcast. And we're also on Instagram at so talk to me podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, recommendations before we head out? Um, Anything you can think of? Go fishing on Switch? No, I'm just kidding. I do really enjoy that game, actually. I'm very happy that you like a video game. <laughs> it makes me happy, filled with joy. It 
I, I really enjoy it, but it makes me sad that it's only like a one player game. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't know how you could make a two player fishing game, but I mean, two people fishing at the same time. Oh yeah. But catch separate fish, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Get your, get your, uh, lures tangled and stuff and <laughs> make it be like real fishing <laughs> accidentally hook each other in the eye as you bring out your root oh. anyways uh no i'm just kidding first catch an eyeball <laughs> um what what is it fishing star world tour that's what it's called on switch it's a fun game it is fun and the translation is really funny. oh it's terrible <laughs> it's, it's the funny. best it's terrible oh my gosh yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Any recos that you have? Um, the only thing that comes to mind is you popped in a CD in the car the other day and like even just driving to and from work today. Um, I'm really digging it now. I've, I've listened to it a hundred times, but um, so if if you like pop rock, it's just some really solid pop rock that has some, some uh, nice breezy tunes on it, but then also has some surprisingly deep uh, moments as well it the band is the rocket summer it's one dude who plays everything which is ridiculous he's sick yeah. he's crazy bryce mr bryce avery um the rocket summer the album is of men and angels it's really good stuff really good stuff so all right well um uh, we're gonna head out so i can get some sleep after yeah I- Y'all haven't heard it, but I've been like yawning this whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting her to sleep already. (laughs) So let's go. All right, guys. Well, till next time, till episode 87 hits. Good night. Go talk to your spouse. Do it. Have a good conversation. Ask them what they think of when you say the poor. Yeah. See where their needs are. See if you can meet them. Oh, yeah. Boom. Good night.